Okay, welcome to the Backyard Professor live sessions. Saturday morning is just a little bit before eight o'clock. We want to, we are celebrating the, discussing and celebrating the book Method Infinite by Cheryl Bruno, Joe Steve Swick, and Dr. Nick Litursky. We've waited 20 years for this book and it has now come out and we're kind of talking about its contents, sharing some themes, some spiritual themes out of uh, Freemasonry, why the Prophet Joseph Smith would have been interested in Freemasonry. Today is going to be a huge day for this show. We're going to have two of the authors that I'm going to interview by telephone here. Uh, Nick is at 10. Cheryl will be tonight at 8. And I have another uh, Doug Vinson I will be interviewing at 2 o'clock to talk about. Hey, Gail Capson, welcome. Morning. And so we're going to, we're setting the stage for helping folks realize why this book is so important to purchase in order for us to get the more clear vision <clears throat> of Joseph Smith and his utilizing the Freemasonic uh, symbols, the allegories, the meanings of the spiritual ritual in order to gather folks together to elevate their minds, their hearts, their spirits into the further light and knowledge that Father promised, which is part of the point of the endowment. It is through the means of ritual, as Algis Uzdavinus says, that people participate in the divine. They, it, it can be a group effort. It can be an individual effort. It's very similar to the... Uh, I was reading in Joseph Campbell the other night in his book, Inner Reaches of Outer Space, wherein he is talking about the Navajo sand paintings. And it's very interesting how the creation of these sand paintings is designed to set apart a space for the sacred to intermingle with the human. It is an idea of tapping into the cosmological processes to become in tune, as it were, with the cosmos, to tie into the music of the spheres. And there was always an element of, well, uh, let me get it real quick. Hold on, just one sec. I may as well show this to you because it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Here it is right here. This this theme of sand painting. Now, I'm going to show you the color. This is the back of his book, Joseph Campbell, The Inner Reaches of Outer Space. Very remarkably wonderful little compact type book. The theme of the sand paintings has always shown ascension between the earth and the heaven, the connection. There are actually three cosmological zones. The above, of course, the gigantic cosmos, the earth and underneath the earth. And there is always a duality as we approach space and time, as we live, I should say, in space and time. And it is this duality, this combination 
of male female that is always described trying to grasp a balance between the male and female and the ascension of the the finite we'll say the uh the ascension of the finite or else the material or the spirit upward into the light and then the return in order the hero journey part of the idea of the hero journey is the return of the hero from his heavenly visit and he comes back and he distills the gift of knowledge the gift of wisdom and intelligence from what he learned from the higher source he brings it down and that seeds the intellect of humankind so that we can begin to elevate, to go higher. And, and this, of course, and, and I will be talking about this symbolism a lot too in up and coming videos. This theme is on the dollar bill, the $1 bill of every American dollar, that all seeing eye coming from an aperture, an opening in space, as it were producing, giving the visibility of the light, the power, the knowledge, hopefully the wisdom. Wisdom will be when we act on our knowledge. That's when we will show we have the wisdom. But this symbolism is really a magnificent symbolism that I will get into in, in great detail. Not this morning, but I will produce some uh, videos on that. It's the same principle with the sand paintings, the light, the intelligence, the the uh, the widening of our horizon always comes from a vertical ascent and descent, and and actually very interestingly, also in light of this, and let me share this with you too, if I've got it, I hope I do. Yes, I do. Right here. Right here, yes, this is a very important topic that has been brought out in science now as well with this beautiful, see if I can, boy, I'll hold that up that way. This is Wolfgang Smith, the vertical ascent and the geometric principle Utilizing a compass, you end up with a point in the center, then the leg, the moving leg, spreads out across a radius to whatever distance from the center it goes, and then the compass whirls out the infinite circle, which is based on pi. That's why pi is considered irrational, because you can never rationally conclude its actual value or meaning. It is an infinite decimal place. And this is a wonderful symbol for the vertical ascent, which Wolfgang Smith has done such a beautiful job describing. From particles to the tripartite cosmos and beyond. Now, this is what is so important in these types of ancient Mysteries in the modern elaboration of our attempt to discover truth and justice, and especially 
liberty is because there is an ascent for us to begin preparing ourselves for any time we want. This ascent can be applied in many, many different areas in our lives, such as financial. We grow financially. We need to ascend up and, and the way the economy, you know, the ladder of success. This ascent can be physical. We can ascend to greater endurance, greater health, greater strength, greater speed by doing a physical workout. We can ascend spiritually by contacting people who are tied into spiritual traditions. We can look through the best of books. Now, see, this was a major theme in Masonry and in Joseph Smith's early Mormonism. It was actually it actually made its way into one of the revelations of the Doctrine and Covenants. This theme of out of the best books, and you want to cover a broad range of subjects of the world's learnings in order to magnify not only your personal knowledge and wisdom, but to help magnify others. That's in one of the revelations. You never hear Joseph Smith saying, Oh, only read the church-approved literature, I tell you. That's today's narrow, rigidly myopic Mormon attempt, for whatever reason, to limit, to put a clamp on it. They don't want you to have your ascension to the light. They're only paying lip service to this. And because of that concept, because of that limiting of the spirit, of the intellect, of the heart to only their interpretation and their view, they have dismissed the overall encompassing power of real knowledge and wisdom. And Joseph Smith would have been horrified. He, well, he would have booted him out. He would have said, you guys, you haven't got a clue what, what this whole gospel topic is all about. This is too, this is unlimited. Technically, we are going to expand forever. We will be, we will recognize, we will become divine. And it is through the process of acquiring knowledge the sooner you gain it here, the better off you'll be there. Now, isn't it interesting that Mormonism does not quote that part of Joseph Smith at all, do they? It, when was the last time you heard in general conference that kind of a talk where they said, acquire all you can learn in this life from the world's best books? What they have turned this into is a contest because they've narrowed their vision and they downplay by mocking the philosophy of men. What they say is, well, that is the philosophy of men mingled with scripture. Well, they apply that to literally everything 
that disagrees with their narrow understanding. And now they're encouraging us all, just study the approved church literature. Do not expand yourselves into the great world knowledge that, get this now, the light from heaven coming to earth opens up the earth to a greater more comprehensive knowledge. What is that light from heaven? The sun. Yes. This is why it was such a powerful symbol in all of the cosmologies anciently. It, it was a truly universal symbol without question. I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, there it is. And there is a very important reason for it. Because the sun gives life. The sun gives us the capability of our perception with our eyes. The sun dispels the darkness. It doesn't pinpoint itself and shine just over Salt Lake City, does it? No, of course not. The sun magnifies in 360 degrees. The vast majority of the sunlight from our personal earthly perspective is completely wasted. We only, the small planet Earth compared to the size of the, <clears throat> the magnificent sun only receives a small sliver of the grand total of the enormous electromagnetic-generated phenomenal light, heat, and power from the sun. And look at the effects over the entire Earth, life everywhere. Absolutely sensational how the sun operates. It doesn't just rain over Salt Lake City and ignore the rest of the earth. That's just not how the universal law of liberty, justice, and truth, and love works. There are cycles, to be sure. And the sun, there's a very interesting paradox. And this paradox really does have to do with Joseph Smith's acquiring, utilizing, believing in, and restoring a a more or less uh, flawed version, an apostate version of Freemasonry. He wanted to bring out this truth because even the name King Solomon, Saul is the son, Saul, S-O-L, Solomon. I've seen some etymological wordplay with his very name. And King Solomon, of course, is the big one in Freemasonry. You can't get away from this symbolism, but the sun itself has a contradictory nature, doesn't it? Depending on the context of how we are going to either appreciate or hate the sun, but it's based on our activity. We need to be wise. We need to act 
smart. No one in their right mind is going to go barefoot and in a pair of shorts and a tank top and hike through 30 miles of Death Valley down there in California. You would be a complete fool. You would not make it. The sun down there can easily get to 130 degrees and that desert sand would bake your feet. The sun would scorch your skin. There are no trees or big cacti down there to hide under the shade. You couldn't do it. You would be ridiculously silly to try. The sun can kill. The sun can also give life, benevolence, heat, warmth, which generates power. So there is the power of the light life, which does dispel the darkness. And there is the power of the death dark, which upon the rotation of the earth on its axis, we get the light dark, light dark every 24 hours. Now, I haven't said anything new here, but that's not my design. My design is to reintegrate this theme that is so prominently presented in rituals, in the theme of masonry, in the themes of Mormonism from Joseph Smith and why it would have attracted him. And it is, again, the circle of the sun. Now, this is the this symbolism based upon this uh, cosmological background is absolutely wonderful. This star, because the circular movement of grace, of power, of expansion into the light, based on a circle which we ourselves can draw, that can be very helpful to help us integrate our personal psychology into a larger context and picture. And this is the point of Method Infinite. They are trying to, not as an antagonistic application against the Mormon church. That's not the point. Nick, Dr. Latursky told me that yesterday. And, and I will have him on here this morning at 10 o'clock and, and I'll let him elaborate on that. So, well, hello from the UK. Hello, you guys. TOGs of AKAFAY2. Awesome. Oh, good deal. You bet. Yes, you've got the uh, the Kindle version. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yes, light up the world. That's a great expression, isn't it? Light up the world. We see, especially when we get that bird's eye view, right? We see this aspect of lighting up the world is one of the sun's conclusions, one of its properties. And so, of course, this theme of the sun, the moon, the stars is very prominent in Freemasonry. 
in the lodge, in the master's trestle board, especially in the royal arch symbolism. And of course, you have Joseph Smith, the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and the telestial kingdom. Now, as a child, as a kid growing up in my teenage years, I was taught that this was a fundamentally unique concept from Joseph Smith. It, he is the first one that proposed this tripartite split of the cosmos, the heavens, and how powerful it was because it was a direct restoration from the Heavenly Father as a direct discussion from God to Joseph Smith. And of course, that's just silly. <laughs> There is no validity to that at all. We now know, of course, that the tripartite cosmos was ubiquitous all over the place, right? And for whatever strange reason, I don't know, but uh, when I was a teenager and all, it just, and maybe it was because of the way they were uh, emphasizing to me uh so that I would be believe in Joseph Smith, but it just seemed like the the Christian world was emphasizing the theme, and we heard this over and over again in seminary of one heaven, one hell, <laughs> and uh, that, and so our unique extra revelation of a three tiered heaven was really spectacular to try to share with people, right? And so that what that did is it gave us the psychology that we have the, well, we have the further light and knowledge. We have the extra information that really solidifies Joseph Smith being a true prophet. You know, that, that was the emphasis to us as youth. So we have this actual truth. None of that's valid, man. <laughs> oh, you know, and doesn't it make you wonder why on earth would they have tried so hard to, uh, unless, of course, they also, um, unless the seminary teachers really did not grasp that this is simply not anything unique, and it doesn't have to be in order to be the truth, right? Uh it, it, it's just amazing because couldn't they realize that later on in life, so many of us could seriously check into this and see and find out that we've been lied to. And in essence, that is what occurred. That is why this book, Method Infinite, has me so buzzing. It's why I want to produce a lot of sessions discussing the ideas and themes in this book. I want to get the author's ideas and views. I want to get other people's who are reading this book, their ideas and views, because finally we have a means of carrying on real learning and knowledge and sharing it back and forth instead of the whitewashed version of Mormon history. It's so sad that that has occurred and they got away with it for so long. And now it's coming back to bite them. 
legitimately so it has to because of course in the universe now and from a certain perspective it might look like we're seeing chaos from another certain perspective we look like we're seeing harmony and melody and just complete beautiful creation etc but there's always a balance to be struck and in order to get that balance. Now, see, this is the great Kabbalistic theme. This is the whole principle of the Kabbalistic tree of life with the 10 sephirot and the 22 paths of wisdom connecting those 10 sephirot. And I will be getting into the Kabbalistic aspects of stuff also. But this idea uh, that there is balance is one of the principal points of the heavenly ascent offered. The option to put ourselves in a position to where we can make the heavenly ascent is given to mankind through the rituals of the mysteries. And this is what has been handed down through the ages. And it's what Joseph Smith tried to tap into. He believed he had a key in Freemasonry. And so he was utilizing that kind of information to give us a chance to ascend so that we could learn how to better balance our own lives. Because if you're out of balance, uh, what do you think the schizophrenics are? What, what do you think these mad, angry people shooting up innocent people with guns are? Don't tell me we have perfect harmony and balance in the world. We simply don't. The principle is you must have a dark and you must have a light I mean, Genesis 1, the creation story of the ancient Hebrews, the Enuma Elish of the ancient, who is it, the Babylonians or Mesopotamians, the ancient Near Eastern view, the cosmology of the ancient Egyptians in the pyramid text, the sunboat of Ray that streaks across the sky, and that is the goal and Albert Pike talks about this in his Morals and Dogma. That is the goal of the initiate on earth to get into the sonship of Ray so that he can ascend through the sky. And then he sets in the west and it goes back around underneath the earth in what? The night, the dark. The duat is the underworld aspect. That is where we go when we sleep. Now, see, this is the allegory. Don't take this literally. It's an allegory. But we also experience and travel in the dark of the dua in our sleep. And then we do what? We rise with the sun, we resurrect, we come back in this cycle. In the east, with the rebirth of the sun, the sunlight, and as it ascends, it ascends to the zenith of the sky at midpoint. There's our ascension. It keeps going. It's a non-ending eternal cycle of light 
and dark. Again, this is the allegory. A very beautiful, powerful allegory. The Temple of Solomon is built to reflect this allegory of the light and the dark. I have a wonderful book by Kevin L. Guest, The Secrets of Solomon's Temple, wherein he is showing the pillars. This is the layout. And we see the pillars of the temple here. Two of them. Imagine two of them, because these outer two are where the, the shadow, the sun travels from the south, the lowest point in its cosmic in, in its cosmic annual journey, and then it proceeds to move north. It's December 21st down here in the south, and then up in the north, it's the summer solstice. As the light moves up and down the north-south axis, the shadow changes where it goes inside the Temple of Solomon because the temple itself is facing east. It's facing the sun, yes? Back here is the Holy of Holies with the two cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. As the sun makes its annual journey from the south to the north and back, the, the shape, it's not a physical shape. Don't take this literally. Understand the symbolism. The shape ends up being a square, a lozenge. As it gets right at the midpoint, the longest day of the year, there is no shadow in the Temple of Solomon. This is when the full beam of light goes all the way into the very Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, and it enlightens the high priest who is with the cherubim. And this is God sitting on his throne. God, the Son, the full light enters the temple once a year. That symbolism is fantastic. But it's not just the ancient Hebrews who had that symbolism. We have found this alignment to the light in Stonehenge, in Avebury, in Roslyn Chapel. We find it in a lot of the ancient mounds in North America, the alignment of the light with the earthly basis. This is the cosmological symbolism coming together, including the earth. The light of the Father impregnates Mother Earth to continue producing what? Life. We, through the rituals, through the contemplations, through our own spiritual ascent to get into the sun god of Ray, the ship, I should say, the sun ship of Ray, we 
are part of that process. Individuated. We are in a cosmos of movement, vibration, energy, energy. We acquire that cosmological energy. Otherwise, we wouldn't be moving around. You wouldn't be hearing my voice. I wouldn't have a voice to talk. You wouldn't be able to see, etc. Because of our magnificent senses that we have, and we do not appreciate them, through the idea of rituals, as Uzdavanis has taught, we participate, we play in the creation. The entire cosmos is God's game. That is one of the great ancient shamanist teachings. It is definitely in the Far East and ancient Near East in the Buddhist tradition. The light God is out there playing. You've heard the expression, oh, look at the light dancing on the surface of the lake. And you see those trillions of reflections when you throw a rock in or or when the lake is choppy or the ocean. It is one of the great joys, the dancing of the light because of the dancing, the movement of that magnificent substance we call water, which is a chemical arrangement of fundamental elements of the universe of which we also are. This is our basis for existing H2O, water, one of the four major elements in ancient cosmology, air, water, earth, fire. Without them, There is no life. There is no dance. The rituals are designed to get us into the dance so that we can do what in life? Celebrate. This is the key. Man is that he might have joy woman is that she might have joy because life is precious, life is good, just like both, both light and dark, just like both good and evil. See, this is critical to recognize there are clashing contradictory opposites that are fundamentally necessary or there is no dance. What goes up, the sonship of Ray, what goes up into the sky to what? The light also goes down death in the West. The West is the death gate in the ancient traditions. Our very skeptical kind of myopic society thinking at this point says, well, that's all there is. At death, it's all over. None of the ancients had that silly myopic view. They said it continues on underground through the dark is a reprocessing 
of truth, reality, fecundity, life. And when we're reborn up in the East with the sun, we get to go dancing again in the light. But the dancing doesn't stop at death. It continues around in one eternal round. This is a fantastically interesting symbolism to tap into. And, and I would like to get uh, more into it now. Now, and I want to share, I know I'm, I'm talking in general, broad terms, I'm trying to share some of the excitement of why Joseph Smith would have enjoyed uh, and obviously pursued the Freemasonic angles, right? That is the theme without question. Rex Hutchins, A Bridge to Light. I wanted to share this because last night I described this idea of the free intellectual liberty in my in my uh, presentation last night, right? That was so important to Joseph Smith. Liberty, Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. That's how this works. Liberty is that vital without it. Here's Rex Hutchins' idea. The letters LPD. Now, the bridge between the two apartments, the Hall of the East, represents the council chamber of the king of Persia, Cyrus, at Babylon. It is a brilliantly lit, hung green from floor to ceiling, contains a magnificent throne adorned with gold. There's two different chambers, and or there's actually three different apartments. The letters LPD is the bridge between the apartments. These letters have two meanings. Now, what's very interesting here is the first and oldest from the French ritual represents and describes the letters as standing for the phrase liberty de passer, the liberty of passage. You have the freedom to make the passage to the light. This is the essence of the Freemasonic theme, which Joseph Smith, throughout his teachings, we know Joseph Smith acquired that theme because that's what he taught, right? And, and so this is very interesting because the second interpretation was added by Albert Pike himself, the grand commander of Freemasonry, in the letter standing for the phrase, the liberty de penser. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know French, but this is the liberty of thought. And this was so critical to Albert Pike, just like it was to all Freemasons. Give men the liberty to think as they will, because the light of heaven will guide us still. Hey, that was poetic. I could start a poet, right? Start a poetry lesson. So the origin of word is particularly interesting and enlightening. And so the word liberty, now let's look at this because it's so fantastic. This very word liberty that Joseph Smith himself put so much emphasis on. Our founding fathers of America constantly talked about liberty. Why? Because the singular man who had all the power, the king, had taken away their liberties. That is why we have limited government. America is forgetting this, and we are becoming enslaved again if we're not very careful. 
We must demand liberty. Here's the basis of this word. Fantastic. In English, it can be traced back to the word liber, which in Latin means bark. Not bark like a dog, the bark of a tree. Bark, interesting here, in which books were originally written from the bark. They were called liber. Now, this gets detailed and interesting because... Thus, Liber also meant to, came to mean book, and so we have our word library, which is a collection of books from Liber, Liberty. I guarantee you the vast majority of my books are not only church pre-approved books that I'm only supposed to read and nothing else. I have the liberty to pursue knowledge and great insight, and I also have liberty to then turn around and share it with you. This is how this works. It is the original meaning that helps us to better understand the phrases tree of knowledge. Fantastic, isn't it? What a tie-in. Liber, the bark of a tree. Liberty, library. What do you acquire in a library other than knowledge, of course? And so this ties into the tree of knowledge, which may also be expressed as the book of wisdom and the tree of life, which can also be expressed as the book of life. Isn't that awesome how this just kind of like a concentric rings experience Band, and we get to make connections with the ancient traditions and ideas. We get to bring them up to today with our knowledge. And it's just awesome how this works. This means related. Liberty means the liberty of thought, of speech, of action, and the freedom which knowledge confers. And that's on page 113 of Rex Hutchinson's A Bridge to Light, a wonderful text. But this is very important, liberty, the liberty of thought, of action, of speech, and the freedom which knowledge confers. That's really important. I want to emphasize that because people don't, seem to want, it takes time, right? It really does. It takes time to acquire knowledge. I have years of my life invested in acquiring knowledge. So, so many people want instant gratification right here, right now. Nope, nope, nope. I got to have it right now or it's not worth it. And so we end up knowing less. But that means we can easily be influenced and cajoled and controlled. And we can easily fall prey to a smooth talker. And all they have to do is say, 
just believe and they will enslave us. And it doesn't matter whether that's through a political figure, whether it's through a religious figure, whether it's through an economic figure. Without us making the time to learn real knowledge, we actually lose more liberty, more freedom than we would otherwise. Again, this ties directly into this Method Infinite book because the overarching idea is read the book to acquire a more accurate, a, a fundamentally all-encompassing, not complete. No, of course not. They don't, they don't claim that, and I'm not claiming that for them. Understand what my meaning, what my intention is, is it is a vastly more open, greater contextual inclusion, not a competition, but an inclusion of Freemasonry and Mormonism. Why that offended so many people, my suspicion is because from Brigham Young's point of view, who ended up being the successor of Joseph Smith, and there are theories that that was kind of a ooh, iffy, right? But Brigham Young's best friend was murdered by Masons, and, and that did not appeal to him at all. And so Masonry took a bad rap. Uh, you know, not only did the William Morgan affair, which I will be talking with uh, Doug Vincent this afternoon on the Backyard Professor Live, but not only did the William Morgan affair really, it almost destroyed Freemasonry in America. And there's a fantastic chapter on that in Method Infinite to give us the historical context of the influence of Masonic argument back and forth. There were both anti-Masons and pro-Masons throughout Joseph Smith's lifetime, directly penetrating into his very close nuclear family. There's no way Joseph Smith could have avoided being involved with understanding Freemasonry. That's fundamental. Uh, the, the Mormon attempt to minimize that, those days are over. It's time for Mormonism officially to revamp its whole system of understanding, just like it tried to do with blacks in the priesthood. You know, if it can be done with blacks in the priesthood, it can be done with Freemasonry in the Mormon temple endowment, because that endowment would not exist without Freemasonry. And the thanks that the Mormon leadership has given to the Freemasons is to snub them, to minimize them, to misrepresent them. And now those days have to come to a close because once again, I love this metaphor and I do not say this mockingly. We have been given the further light and knowledge that Father promised in this magnificent book, Method Infinite. So anyway, I have I have gone on for, it's a good Saturday morning to say good morning and wake up to. I've gone on for, I'm closing in on an hour. And so I'm going to close out for a few minutes. <clears throat> Get my coffee in me so I can wake up. 
Um, I will return now this morning, 10 o'clock. Don't forget, I am interviewing Dr. Nick Letursky. And so I will be back. Uh, I might get back here. What time is it? 8.42, 15 to 9. Um, I might just wait for Nick's interview to occur. And then after Nick, I will do another session. Uh, I have a few things I want to try to catch up on real quick. And then I will continue on expounding on uh, not only the symbolism, but the philosophy, the the potential meaning, the terrific allegories that we have to incorporate into our lives, the way that perhaps we can find a way to acquire better, more useful knowledge instead of being controlled, we get to have personal liberty for ourselves. We need to begin to insist on that sincerely. And so I hope we will. So, okay, you guys, I will be, I will return uh, at 10 o'clock with Dr. Nick Letursky in a phone interview on Method Infinite. Thank you for attending. Thank you for all the likes. That's very kind of you. You guys have a good morning for the rest of the morning and come back at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock my time, mountain time. It's going to be nine o'clock Pacific, one hour earlier. If the further west you go, the earlier the time gets because of the rotation of the earth, right? And then if you're in middle America, uh, it's one hour later, so it'll be 11 o'clock for you folks. And if you're out on the East Coast, the Carolinas, Florida, you know, Maine, New York, Vermont, Connecticut, all those people, New Jersey, uh, that will be at noon. And for you folks... Uh, I do know the time scale in Hawaii. If you're in Hawaii, it's going to be four hours earlier. So it'll be six o'clock this morning for you. Uh, and so I, I don't know anybody else, but I do have audience members from the UK. And I'm very grateful that you guys show up. It's fun to have as many folks as we can from around the world because we are sharing our idea. The whole point of this, the whole principle here is to increase to emphasize and to share the happiness, the joy, the love, which liberty and knowledge give us so that we can expand into better living. I think that's the thing. That's what we all want, whether we admit it or not, right? <laughs> so, okay. I will see you back here at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for waking up with me and sharing some backyard professor time. We shall return. Love all you guys. Be good. See you soon. Woohoo. Yeah, baby. I got to get that in there.